0: Hey, beautiful people, welcome to the BU podcast. I'm your host, Ariel von Breder. My mission is to empower people to become the best versions of themselves so that they can live their best lives. I'm redefining success so people stop living the lives they think they should live and start living the lives they love. Join me weekly as I share my own insights and speak with guests that have embraced their unique gifts into living life on their terms. I hope these conversations inspire you to make the most out of your life by being your best self. Remember, be you, be beautiful. Hey, you guys. So in this episode, I'm sharing my conversation with Maria Leonard Olson. She is an attorney, author, public speaker, podcaster, and course creator. And we discuss her book, 50 After 50, and really dive into her story of healing from trauma, sobriety, and becoming the best version of herself. I just love how open Maria is with her experiences and how she is using um, that to help women overcome their own traumas and know that they're not alone and becoming their best versions. I, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, be you. It's all about becoming your best version um, so you can live your best life. So, I think if you enjoy my podcast, you're definitely going to enjoy Maria. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and then connect with Maria on her own podcast as well. So enjoy. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. Thank you, Maria, so much for being on the BU podcast today. Will you just take a moment to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are?
1: Sure. I'm an attorney, a fellow podcaster. I lead retreats for women for empowerment and writing retreats. And I have a radio show in Washington, D.C. on WPFW. Um, I mentor women who are uh, recovering from alcoholism or other addictions Mm -hmm. and um I'm about to start offering courses on self-care and authenticity oh wow you just had to add something else to your plate didn't you oh I know it's almost almost an addiction so I do have (laughs) to keep my time in check because I do tend to overextend yes
0: yeah (laughs) well I'm so curious because those are uh kind of, you've got like a wide spectrum of things going on. So how did you get into all of this? Well,
1: they are in some ways related, except for my legal practice. My law practice is how I make my living. It's Mm -hmm. more lucrative than everything else. But the other things are all tied to my passion to use my experience to help other women um, recover from trauma or just to become their best versions, whatever that may be. And I feel like I learned a lot of lessons through setbacks and trauma that I want to turn into a force for good in the world and maybe save some other people from some learning pain.
0: Yeah. And will you um, take us back a little bit to, like, the experience that you had with trauma and kind of how you, like, overcame the trauma that you experienced?
1: Sure. Well, the, the thing is with me is I didn't truly work through my trauma until I turned 50. And the year I turned 50, I got sober from alcoholism. I got divorced. I became an empty nester and I was living alone for the first time in my life. Wow. So I did it all in one year. And I had to go back and deal with my childhood traumas uh, because I had just pretended they didn't exist. Hmm. And that kept kept me stuck in some ways because It was like holding a beach ball underwater. It took a tremendous amount of psychic energy to hold that part, that pain down, but it would pop up in unexpected ways and affect my life in ways that uh, were very negative. So for instance, I had been raped in high school and I didn't tell anyone about it. And um, I just had this huge sense of self-loathing and trying to prove that I'm better than what happened to me um, and overcompensating and not forgiving and accepting myself so it took a lot of work therapy uh, allowing other women to bear witness to um, not just that sexual assault but others that happened to me Mm -hmm. Um, and to allow myself to really feel the pain, lean into it and move past it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just so much in that. And I, first of all, I really like that beach ball example in the water because I think so many of us do try to hold things um, in and almost try to like, act like we have it all together or that things didn't happen, but then it can just like, resurface when, you know, at at some inconvenient times or you know when other things are happening and stuff um oh
1: yeah it's very true and we don't even realize when something sometimes when something triggers us and we react in a way that has nothing to do with the situation at hand but is a leftover feeling that was never really acknowledged
0: Yeah. And so, you know, in your 50th year, and I'm excited to talk about um, the book that you wrote and all of your adventures you had. um, But, you know, you were kind of dealing with the divorce and, um, you know, became sober and empty nester. Is that kind of what motivated you to deal with some of this past trauma? Or I mean, what, what was that kind of like for you?
1: Well, I went to rehab right before I got divorced as kind of a last ditch effort to save my marriage. And in rehab, they really try to get to the root of one's pain. And for me, a lot of it had to do with sexual abuse during childhood. Yeah. And so I actually went to a different kind of rehab, which was for women who had uh, experienced sexual abuse or assault or both. And I was living um, with 11 other women who had this issue and which led to um, addictions and, and alcoholism. And I, had this overwhelming sense that I wasn't alone and that there are healthy ways to deal with this. And simply by allowing another trusted woman to bear witness to my pain, went a long way to healing from this this pain. And so in rehab, I was really laid bare to all my emotions and all my feelings that I had suppressed And then from there was able to build a life that was more authentic to me and my values and wasn't just my trying to prove that I was enough and I was worthy without really believing it. Mm -hmm. So then when I turned 50 and these three major life events came together, I had to change everything about my life and start over. So my gift to myself at age 50, was to try 50 new things to explore how I wanted the next chapter of my life to look. And these things ranged from physical challenges, adventure travel, lifestyle changes, spiritual endeavors, learning and teaching, social activities, I think those were the major areas, and I wasn't intending to write a book, but as I told people about my um, endeavor, people wanted the list, and so I got an agent, and she shopped around the book, and I got a great publisher, and and then I just started talking about the book and felt that I really hit a nerve with people. especially in midlife, but not necessarily just midlife. I have a daughter in her twenties and sometimes her friends would come to my book talks and they would be like, wow, this is like a guide to living or a guide to things that we might want to avoid. Thank you so much. So um, it became a vehicle. The book became a vehicle for helping other people, Reevaluate their lives, reinvigorate their lives, ask themselves questions about uh, the road that they were on and how they'd like to tweak that or change it entirely. And um, I just feel so fortunate that the book resonates and provides people with tools
0: to um, to really enhance their lives. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I I mean, I can see so many people benefiting from this. Um, I mean, one, I'm kind of curious with all of the stuff that happened in your 50th year, like I know a lot of people kind of have this mindset of like, it's too late. So did you ever kind of go through that of like, it's too late and that you couldn't like do certain things or what was that kind of like for you?
1: I definitely have had that thought, but the more I investigated things I wanted to try and people who inspired me and situations that inspired me, the more I realized that so many people have had multiple chapters of, of lots of degrees of success. For instance, our vice president, Kamala Harris, she didn't even enter politics until midlife. Uh, right. Uh, late 40s, maybe. I can't remember the date. And many famous authors didn't get published till late in life or some posthumously. And of course, I didn't want that to happen, but there were many um, people that I came across in my research that really bloomed in their 50s and 60s. And I interviewed people who had become doctors and lawyers in their fifties and Mm sixties. And I think one, a a huge gift of feminism is the ability to have more choices and to chapter our lives. And then the gift of modern science and medicine is that we are living so much longer than generations ago so that we can have multiple careers
0: in one lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. And I like, yeah, there's so many examples out there of people um, that are starting new things in their fifties and sixties. And, and I just love that your story is another example of that. Like it's, it's not too late to start and you can try, you know, new things that you've never tried. And, and um, I, I'm in my early thirties. And so I can, like just thinking about your list. I'm like, Oh, what do I need to add to my list of trying things now? And I think it is a An inspiration for everyone, like to just remind yourself, like you can try new things, like, there's going to be different chapters to your life. And if you do one thing, it's not, you know, the end all be all, like, there's different parts of it. So,
1: definitely. And now I keep a list on my notes function on my phone of when I hear about something that I want to try or a place that I want to visit. I keep um, an organic dynamic list that I add to and take away from as my life progresses, but with the knowledge that um, any moment we can, something bad, I mean, it's not like I'm living in fear, but I am very cognizant that time is um, something so uncertain for all of us. And that the sooner I can do the things that I want to do, the better. So I'm very intentional about how I spend my time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that being intentional about your time. Um, and Just being aware of that. Yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen. So you've got to make the most of it while you do know that you've got some time. Yeah, and I
1: think that um, for most of my life, I was more careful about how I spent my money than how I spent my time. And that's yeah. kind of backwards because time is the most precious commodity right. and the most uncertain. So now before I take on anything new, I ask myself if I'm doing it to please someone else or if I really, really want to do this if it's something that's leading me closer to my goals or who I want to be, or is it something that's going to unnecessarily deplete me and keep me from spreading, spending my time doing the things that I'm really passionate about or not?
0: Yeah. That, yeah, that's just such a great way to look at it. And so I'm kind of curious about with the things that you did um, in your book, like the initial 50 things that you tried, were those all things that you had kind of been wanting to try or did people suggest? Like how, how did you come up with this list?
1: Yeah, it really changed during the course of the year um, because some of the things that I tried are things that I will never do again and were <laughs> learning experiences but not something that brought me any joy. For instance, I am a terrible singer. But I wanted to know what it felt like to get up on a stage and sing. So so I went to an open mic night and got up and belted something out and I was terrible. And (laughs) people were like politely, quietly clapping. And I left the stage and said to myself, I will never do that again. But I stretched my comfort zone. And now I know that I'm not going to die from something I'm afraid to try like that. Right. And um, so it was a learning experience, but it's not something I will ever repeat.
0: And yeah, and like it's like it stressed your comfort zone. And then it's also like, yeah, you, you, you tried it and now you know you don't want to do it again. But now you have no regrets about it.
1: Exactly, exactly. And while I'm building my um, I'm afraid of heights, but I'm building my tolerance by I did, for instance, indoor skydiving where you're in like an air tunnel Yeah. Um, But I'm working towards skydiving from a plane, which I'll probably do for my 60th birthday. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, And travel is something that brings me a lot of joy. So I, I did some pretty um, adventurous travel during my 50th year. Like I went on safari in Africa and I volunteered in a remote village in the Himalayas uh, where there was no running water or electricity. And uh, these things helped cultivate in me an attitude of gratitude for Mm -hmm. all that I have, as opposed to all that I lost by drinking my way out of a 25-year marriage. So it really helped me grow.
0: That's awesome. And so I mean, with your book, we kind of already talked about um, some of the feedback that you've gotten and stuff but like what impact do you really want people to uh, gain from your book. Uh,
1: My hope is that people can see that uh, what happens to you doesn't have to define you and even your mistakes in the past don't have to define you that all of us have the ability to start over from wherever we are and just do the next right thing and that as long as we're still breathing we can keep growing and the internet for example has opened up so many vistas of growth for us i listen to a lot of ted talks for instance and i'm always trying to learn something new to keep my those neurons in my brain firing and Uh, learning new skills and learning about new things to try and um, I just feel like we have so many opportunities in modern society to keep growing Mm -hmm. and that retirement used to look so different than it does now where um, more people as retirees find additional and new meanings for their lives whether it be through volunteer work or travel or um, taking up new causes or hobbies there's so much that each of us can do if we just um, become very intentional about how we want to spend our time and so those are some of the um, major points that I want to transmit to anyone I can speak to or who wants to read the book. And um, I guess the other thing is uh, to surround yourself with people who bring out the best in you to um, try to protect yourself from negative people and energy vampires and I was someone who was not very good at boundaries before this magical year of trying 50 new things. And now I'm very good at setting boundaries and practicing. Oh, lastly, practicing self-care because I underestimated um, how important it was for me to take care of myself first before Mm -hmm. taking care of other people. And I was so depleted before when I didn't attend to my own spiritual self-care, emotional, mental, social, and physical self-care. So those are some of the nuggets um, contained in my talks and my book and my my podcast.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I'm curious about what are some things that you do to practice self-care?
1: Um, I am a big advocate of meditation in many different forms and meditation for me can be simply practicing some deep cleansing breaths throughout Mm -hmm. my day to recenter and to not allow myself to get frazzled by um, the many things I'm trying to accomplish in one day. I do a lot more walking than I used to do and walking for me is meditative and I'm able to notice more about my senses and about nature and connect more with, um, with myself by walking and feeling more and slowing down and savoring what's mm-hmm. around me and the experiences that I'm having. So I think that would be the,
0: um, one of the primary things. Yeah. Um, And then, I mean, just because you kind of brought up, like, you know, having to um, do some like breath work and stuff to handle all the different things that you do throughout the day. uh, I am curious of how do you manage all of the things that you do? I'm always just so fascinated by how people like manage their time and energy, and especially with so many things going on, like, how do you do it?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm old school in that I keep a written calendar uh, with me, a little book that, and that I carry with me. But, and I, I would like to make the jump to doing it all on my phone, but I haven't. And I like having something um, concrete in front of me that I can look at. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm very good at prioritizing what needs to be done. What absolutely needs to be done on a given day is circled in my calendar and everything else is gravy. And I will first attack the priorities and then I will see what of the non-priority items I have time to do. And believe it or not, I am a lot less busy than I have been for my entire life. And I know that sounds crazy because I do do a lot of things, but I used to be almost frenetically busy like to the five minute interval for my whole day. And now I build in time to relax and um, recharge and put up my feet and do nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love that you bring that up because I, I think that so many people, I mean, including myself, like we're just so busy with things, but sometimes it's like we're busy, but not actually like really doing anything. And I think when you really prioritize and get priorities done and schedule in that time to rest and take a break, you're actually doing yourself a favor because then you can get those other things done without feeling like you're all over the place. So it's so funny how, you know, we run around thinking we're doing all the things, but really just like slow down and take a break and you'll probably actually get more done and feel better about it.
1: Yes, I completely agree. And something that I aspire to be better at is building in creative time and building in play time, because those are things that I have not prioritized. And when I was in rehab, they forced us to have creative time and play time. And every time I play a game, a board game or any kind of game, yeah, I it brings me joy. So why don't I do it more? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know the answer to that.
0: Yeah, you'll have to schedule in some playtime then and force yourself to do it. Yes,
1: I want to. And <laughs> I, I will.
0: It's on my list. <laughs> okay, no, I love I love that too of just like putting in some playtime and because you enjoy it, and that's just another kind of thing that's gonna like refuel you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it took me a long time to discern what brought me joy because I had put all my eggs in the motherhood basket willingly and I really enjoyed that time and I was happy that I was privileged enough to take time off from work to stay home with my kids and go to every single one of their school events and to really spend time, quality time with them. And a lot of, a lot quantity wise. So yeah. um, I, I feel really lucky about it, but at the same time, I didn't savor it. I didn't um, practice gratitude in the way that I do now where I really try to take an inventory at the end of my day and thank my higher power for, wow, aren't I lucky that I got to do that today or I got to take a really great walk today and noticed a whole new garden of flowers I never noticed before or came across some really beautiful birds or whatever it was that sparked joy in me that day. I try to remember it and savor it and really feel it.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I love that you use the word savor. I just, I think that's such a good word that I kind of forget about until I hear it. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I want more. I need to savor more moments in my life. Yes.
1: Yeah, especially so when it comes to eating for me, eating yeah. can be so much pleasure and more often than not, I'm wolfing things down and I'd like to change that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like slow down on everything and savor it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, so I want to hear more about um, your podcast um, because I mean, just by the title, I'm like, yes, we, we align in our thoughts. <laughs>
1: yes, definitely. My podcast is called Becoming Your Best Version and it's, it is an extension of the work that I did in my book. And I primarily interview um, people who have made some sort of life change and significant life change and have become a different version of themselves and or help other people to achieve a higher level of self-actualization or self-awareness. And um, I've been really lucky because the work that I do in spaces of helping women um, help themselves Mm -hmm. has put me in touch with so many incredible, incredible people and there are so many people in our space working with um, trying to heal and trying to give back and trying to find out who we really are and what lights us up. Mm-hmm. And the more I do this work, the the greater my exposure is to like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And I I read somewhere that you Uh, people are the, generally the product of the five people they spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. And if that is true, that is one of the reasons why I am so happy with my life right now, that I'm around people who bring out the best in me and who support me in my work and who are really interested in learning how to uh, spend their time
0: really well. However mm-hmm. much, t-
1: however time much time we have left, spending yeah. it well.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I've heard that before, and it's just such a good reminder. I think to kind of um, like reevaluate, like the people that you spend your time with, and like, are they, you know, providing joy in your life, and are they making you like the best version of yourself. Um, like otherwise you do get stuck with like those people that are kind of draining your energy and you're you may not be aware of it because you just kind of get used to it. So yep. I I just really love that reminder and kind of like reflecting on that. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm kind of curious about like what does becoming your best version mean to you?
1: For me, it means not discovering, but um, being aware of what my values are and aligning everything I do with those values so that they are consistent because I spent a lot of time uh, hiding behind masks and doing things because I thought they were the best, whatever the best was. And my definition of success, for instance, has changed drastically. I I used to work at one of the best and biggest firms in Washington, DC. Mm -hmm. I went to one of the best law schools in the United States. And these things didn't necessarily bring me joy. They maybe brought me status, but uh, that didn't translate to me, into, for me, into a sense of self-worth. What translates mm-hmm. into a sense of self-worth for is helping another person. If I, at the end of the day, can say, I made the world better because I am here, that to me is living my best version, that I have made this world better in some way because I'm here.
0: Yeah, ah, I
1: love that.
0: Thank you. And you brought up um, values, and I'm curious of like, do you have any um, like ways or advice that you would give to people on how they can kind of um, discover what their values are? Yeah, I spent a lot of time
1: during um, in in rehab, primarily writing down what lights me up, what is important to me. What do I spend most of my time thinking about? And I really had to journal about it to discern and distill what those things were. So I'm a big advocate of journaling. And if you need journaling prompts, um, there are some in my book, 50 After 50, reframing the next chapter of your life. And there are plenty online. And there are a lot of really good guided meditations online that can help you in the discernment process. But um, really just brainstorming when something um, increases your energy, write it down. When something um, lights you up, so with a desire to know more about or to stay in that space, write it down. When something, um, when you notice that you're spending a lot of time thinking about something, Write it down and try to figure out what does that mean and how can that translate into something I can pursue more of. Yeah. So I, I guess really to not live on autopilot, start questioning. If you feel a sense of dissatisfaction with your life, start questioning why that is. Are you not spending enough time with the things that light you up and bring you joy and give you a sense of purpose?
0: yeah. I love that. Yeah, I'm uh, big into journaling, too. So I just really love that. And being aware of, you know, just like throughout your days and stuff of like, what's lighting you up and what's not. And I think that's so important to um, really dive into and get curious about. So great advice. Definitely. Definitely. You you mentioned about hiding behind masks. And I mean, now you're, you're yourself and you're stepping into that. Like, how has being yourself impacted your life? It
1: has impacted my life in a lot of ways. I am very public about my sobriety journey. And in so doing, I have been able to help a lot of women who, for instance, thought AA was for the bums under the bridge drinking bottles out of paper bags, that they didn't know that AA is for everyone with the drinking problem. And AA is... An incredible way to, um, in practicing the 12 steps, I believe it is a guide to being a good human because it's about uh, believing in something bigger than yourself, looking at your character defects and trying to alleviate them, um, practicing prayer and meditation and uh, paying it forward. And I try to live by the steps and practice them every day um all of my personal relationships have improved now that I'm living a life more authentic to me and my values I know who I am I have a really good self sense of self now and I'm a much better listener now to other people I listen to understand more than to respond and that is a sea change for me yeah I was someone who was not very comfortable for instance with silence And now I'm very comfortable with silence, even in the presence of another person. So if I allow for silence, I more often will hear something from another person that may not have come out had I just filled the air with conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, for instance, I think having much deeper relationships with people and much um, easier relationships with family members, including my adult children.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that so much. Um, I mean, and especially like holding that silence like I know is key with, um, you know, like coaching women. And stuff. But, I mean, it's such a great skill to have in general. And I love that you are very open about your sobriety journey and just like everything that you've gone through. Um, I am kind of curious of, I mean, being open about that is hard. And so what kind of, what, like, what motivated you to want to be so open about, you know, everything you've been through?
1: Well, I saw the potential to turning it, for turning it into a force for good, because I wish I had known someone when I was a, an adolescent or a teenager who had gone through any of the things I had gone through that were hard that I could talk to. And so the more I talk about um, trials, tribulations from my life, the more I draw people to me who want some help or, or who want to be listened to. And um, so that's why I'm transparent about it because I feel like it gives me more opportunity to be of service. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was was uncomfortable. I used to not be able to talk about the sexual abuse or assault without crying, but now I can. And I spoke at the National March to End Rape Culture. And I was on stage in downtown DC talking about what happened to me. And afterwards, a group of young women came up to me and said, I can't believe you said that out loud on a stage. (laughs) Oh my gosh, how did you do that? And I said, well, for this reason, because I want to be able to help other people. And so these women some were teary and saying, I've never told anyone, thank you so much. You're giving me some strength to get help now and to know that I'm not alone. And I think one of the biggest affirmations was when my daughter's friend was um, date raped, Hmm. she recommended to her friend, go talk to my mom. Yeah. And Wow. I was so honored that my daughter recommended me and so honored that her friend came to me and told me and let me help her deal with what she was going through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just so powerful. And I mean, I just think there's so much in being vulnerable and sharing your story and just letting people know that they're not alone. And then the more people that realize that they're not alone and that there's people that they can talk to and that understands what they've gone through. Like, it's just so powerful. And I mean, I love talking about just like ripple effects and just like you being able to help her. Now she's gonna be able to deal with things sooner rather than later. And then just, you know, like that just changes the course of her life and who she impacts too, so. I just thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable. And I'm, I'm very honored to talk to you and that you shared, you know, with me and my listeners, um, where can people find you and connect you, connect with you?
1: Oh, thank you for your kind words. Uh, my website is MariaLeonardOlson.com. My book is available at any bookstore. You can ask for it or at the library or Amazon, Audible, um, or from my website, if you want it to be um, inscribed and gift wrapped and sent to whomever you think could use a lift in life. Um, My podcast is on seven different platforms, including Google Play and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And um, stay tuned on my website to, if you want to learn more about the courses I will be offering or the events that I will be attending. Um, I I tend to do a lot of women's conferences. Mm-hmm. So um, my event calendar gets updated frequently and uh, my podcast is weekly. So I would love to meet anyone who is listening to this. You can get in touch through my website, it has a contact page. So thank you.
0: Yeah, I will definitely put all of that in the show notes. I'm excited about the things that are coming up for you and what you've already been doing. Um, Is there any message that you want to leave with people today?
1: Uh,
0: My message would be
1: your life is happening right now. It's your life. It's up to you with what you do with it. So take a deep breath. And think of one thing you would like to change about your life or add to your life and um, make a commitment to do it.
0: Awesome, I love that. <laughs> that's so Even yeah. just like the beginning, your life is happening right now. Like that's like a wake up call. <laughs> yeah, wake up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, well thank you so much. I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful.